Hey, what's up, Simple Passive Cash Flow listeners? Now, I wanted to announce a new project I got going on, the Rich Uncle YouTube channel. So those of you guys have been following me for the past several years since we started this podcast back in 2016. Simple Passive Cash Flow started off with uh, me buying some turnkey rentals, eventually getting my portfolio to 11 in 2015. And I felt the pinch and I realized these rental properties was not the uh, path to financial freedom. It was a path there, which I still think non-accredited investors under a quarter million, half a million should definitely go and buy a rental property, get that experience, feel what it is to be a remote landlord, and then move off to bigger and better things as you become more of a credit investor or on the verge of such a transition into being more of a passive LP partner, diversifying yourself over multiple deals out there where you're just an LP partner, little to no liability, no debt in your name, you can still travel hack all these credit cards, which will have a future podcast on that too. And you can also, you know, partake in the value add strategy, right? When you're buying turnkey rentals, what you're essentially doing is you're just buying an asset that has little to no built-in equity in there other than your down payment. And there's no business plan to increase the revenue, therefore increase the price. Where these large apartment syndications, mobile home parks, et cetera, there's usually some business plan to force appreciate the asset. And maybe we'll get lucky with some market appreciation in there too, as typically real estate goes up in price. But the big thing is that force appreciation. The only way you can do force appreciation is if you do it on your own in a burst strategy. And that is the, my first premiere video on the Rich Uncle YouTube channel, which you guys can go and check out. So the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast and YouTube channel will continue on this path as you guys grow with me to be accredited investors. But lately, maybe I'm just getting old, but I see a lot of kids these days between the ages of 18 and even mid to early 30s that really haven't gotten it together, right? Their net worth is still under a quarter million, half a million dollars. And maybe for you guys listening, maybe this would be that cool, hip, fun video version of Simple Passive Cashflow for kids where they can learn about this stuff, learn more about those basic financial things. In this first video, which we're gonna be talking about is the first strategy that you can give them. A lot of these people like to do this buy, rent, rehab, repair. I frankly think it's a waste of time and not a really good risk adjusted return when you could just be a passive LP partner. But what do you do if your net worth is lower and you don't have any connection? That's what this video is talking all about. So share it with your kids and uh, listen to Rich Uncle as they start to become old and grumpy in the future. But for now, it's just Rich Uncle is a YouTube channel. And on today's podcast, I'm gonna be quickly going over what is uh, rich debt and pref equity. And I think a lot of you guys have told me you're frustrated about other podcasts out there, just the same old lame thing. And yeah, everybody does podcasts these days. They're pretty easy, to be honest. Now, this is a sort of a sample of what you're gonna find in the syndication LP e-course. And if you guys haven't checked that out, please go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication to check out the free guide to syndication. And there's gonna be a link in there to the e-course. Now the e-course, I think it costs like maybe a few hundred bucks, but it's really good. It's not just some lame book that's just gonna tell you every little thing that everybody other regurgitates over and over again, just runs through a spin text application to regenerate the same old 100 page, 200 page book. It's gonna tell you the secrets of what syndicators are doing out there to trick you guys into going into whatever deal. Not saying it's a bad deal, but I think it's just good to be aware of these things. And today's podcast, talking about prep equity and bridge check is gonna be a sample of what you're gonna find in the e-course, which I think it would take most people 10 to 15 hours uh, to go through the entire e-course. But with that said, here is the content. 
This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. I get asked all the time, so bridge notes on these large deals as opposed to agency long-term fixed Fannie Mae Freddie Mac agency debt, is it good or bad? And same thing, pref equity, when there's a small layer of A1 or pref equity investors, which sort of acts as like a mezzanine debt layer, is that good for a deal? You know, it's yes and no. And I found this analogy watching ESPN. It's been the NBA trade deadline. Somebody, I forget which player it was, but they were like bringing over a person who's got their contract expiring soon to bring them on your team. Do you do it or do you not? Right. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? It can be a very good thing. It can be a very bad thing. And I thought this was a very analogous with bridge notes. Is it good or bad? Or prep equity? Is it good or bad? If you guys aren't NBA fan or basketball fans, you guys can probably still understand the concept. So you bring over a player, a guy who doesn't really want to be on that team and you bring it over to the new team. You bring them over to hopefully make your playoff run and you get a, usually a pretty good talented player who wants out of their contract and is a free agent for you know, part of a year or maybe a, at most a couple of years. And it can be really good or bad. The bad thing is that this player doesn't want to be where they're at and whatever. Um, I'm just going to play out to get my contract, get my numbers up so I can get my maximum value on free agency, which can be bad thing because they just want to ball hog and get their numbers up and they don't want to play as a team. And for a playoff team making that playoff run, this can be not good for your success on a championship run. So have a, a rogue guy who's just trying to pad their stats. It can be a very good thing on the other hand, right? Now here's this player who's like really motivated and maybe they're coming out of a bad situation, they're coming on a new team and they really want to, they're trying to make that playoff push and they want to win that championship. It can be a very good thing. Is it good or bad? I don't know. There's, it can go both ways. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net worth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively the fund and investors like you pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. And now we're bringing this back into the question of the day here. Bridge notes. When you're going in with a bridge note, ideally you want to be going into a situation where you have severely under market rents. 
So you know with this bridge note, the bridge note is ideally from one to three years, you might have some extensions to be able to add on to it. But the bridge note is you, you exactly what it, the name implies. You're bridging yourself over to the side where you can refinance with that new net operating income to be able to capture that higher worth. And at this point, you pull out a lot of equity, you give back a lot of returns to your investors and you get in, maybe at that point, you go into the long-term agency financing. So it can be very lucrative and very good idea. But sometimes, and I'll use this term or the same bridge notes, prep equity, it makes good deals better and worse deals worse. Makes good deals better, and worse deals worse. It's a magnifier. So it's not as simple as, oh, bridge notes are bad, bridge debt is bad, or pref equity in situations are good, it's bad. It's always, if you have a good deal, and this is what's hard for most passive investors, you don't have the P&Ls, you don't have the rent rolls, you're not able to do your own analysis. You're really taking what your general partner is saying, you gotta really trust them. Who knows, they might be doing a bad deal and trying to push it through. And at this point, a bridge note or pref equity may be bad. Yeah, that bridge note, ideally you want to be having that situation where you have under market rents. So then you bump it up, you get all the value out and that's the perfect situation, right? The bad situation is maybe it's not that under market rents and you have, you struggle and you're essentially already, you know, by getting that extra leverage and kind of behind the gun, it's not as sure thing as fixed rate debt. It's a bridge note and it's taking a little gamble in the beginning and sometimes gambles don't pay off it's a calculated risk, right? And I think in that situation where you're using it the right way, that calculated risk can be way more returns, way more reward. And certain situation, it makes sense. Now, moving over into the pref equity situation. Now, a lot of times pref equity is seen as a small layer of mezzanine debt or additional leverage, right? The bank will give Let's just go with 80% loan to value on a property or maybe 70% loan to value on the property. They might be, the sponsors might be using a small thin layer of prep equity. It's always a small layer, maybe five to 10% at most sometimes of the capital stack. So they're going to get a loan for 70% of it, and then maybe get an additional layer of 5%. So if overall be at like maybe 75 to 80% loan to value, sometimes it's possible even to get higher than that. If the bank is giving you 80% loan to value and you're able to stack another 10% of prep equity, now you're 90% loan to value. Most investors, unsophisticated investors that know a little bit about this stuff, they'll be like, oh, my God, that's too high loan to value. I always say as investors, you got to look at it and not just, obviously that's probably like that knee jerk reaction. Like, oh my goodness, it's too risky. But let's pause and wait. If you're covering your debt service coverage ratio every month, like a 1.25 debt service coverage ratio is what the bank is looking. Is it really that dangerous? You could have a terrible deal at 50% loan to value and it'd be still bad deal. And at that point, you wouldn't want to stack another layer of pref equity on there. But if you have a really sweet, strong, solid deal where under market rents, strong financials, then it is prudent to put on additional risk, which is pref equity and get that leverage point higher. So it's all situation-based. And yeah, I think that's hard as most passive investors, they can't make that determination, even if it's a good deal or bad deal. Yeah, a lot of things in the pitch deck, it's very misleading in most cases. And passive investors are not able to do the comp analysis, period. You guys can go on Rentmeter, whatever the websites, but it's just hard. Unless you walk the property and you know what kind of vibe the property is, or you, especially if you walk comps, you don't have the ability to do this. I like to close out, right? Bridge notes, prep equity, they can be good or bad. 
But uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions like this, let me know. But uh, we'll stick this into the e-course in the uh, Bridge Notes and Prep Equity section so you guys can refer to it in the future. And uh, if you guys want to learn more about this, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. Check out the free guide. If you want to get that LP syndication e-course, the links will be on there too. Simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. I don't think that there's anything else like it out there for passive LP investors to be the best LP investors you can be you're not going to be underwriting specialists but there are things to be aware of right the little tricks and games out there that are being played at least no eyes wide open going into a deal is this a good deal or is, are these just sucker assumptions that the sponsor is using if you guys have any questions email is lane at simplepassivecashflow.com see you guys next time bye This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.